about motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark. And you know, on Modern Mom Probs, we try to solve the world's modern mom problems. But if we can't, at least we are having fun talking about them. Today's topic is the wisdom and power of teenage girls with Chelsea Gooden. Chelsea Gooden has been an academic tutor and mentor for 16 years with a particular emphasis on the empowerment of teenage girls. She speaks regularly to audiences about gender justice She conducts workshops and coaches parents on how to have a better connection with their daughters. Chelsea is the author of the brand new book, Underestimated, The Wisdom and Power of Teenage Girls. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I was, we just chatted for, I don't even know, 10 minutes talking about all kinds of things. But that's not why we're here today. We are here about you, Chelsea, and your new book, Underestimated, The Wisdom and Power of Teenage Girls. I love it. I myself was once a teenage girl. And so that's why I'm so excited that we're going to get an opportunity to chat about it. So in the meantime, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I have been an academic tutor for teenage girls for about 16 years, and then I also started volunteering my time to mentor girls from underrepresented communities, and over the course of this time, the stories that they would share with me are one-on-one, meaningful moments. I realized how smart they were, how underestimated they were, how people just write them off as emotional and crazy and dramatic, and I realized that I needed to be the microphone for them, a portal for what they want to say to the world. Uh, And that's what this book is about. I'm so glad you wrote it because I feel like there's really like sort of a hole in as much as like a book like this doesn't exist. And if it does, I have not read it. And so I'm so glad. You know, about how to like for parents on how to parent teenage girls. And certainly there's practical tools in here for parents. But this is a little bit more of like the girls getting their voice, the insider, inside look of what if they could tell adults what they want to say. This is yes, this is the book doing that. And I feel like at that age, I felt very silent. You know, I felt like the world was sort of just like happening around me and I couldn't speak up about things. And is that what you've noticed in your research? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that's the beginning of the book is how girls are silenced and they're silenced by societal fear of them. You know, fear of things, you know, like their big feelings or their sexuality or all these different stereotypes. Everyone loves to slap on the, so many people have been like, well, aren't teenage girls mean? You know, this is the mean girl situation. And I really love to push back on that. And I have a section in there about it. And so there's a lot of ways that girls silence themselves because they don't feel like the world is a safe place for them also. Yeah. I'm sure you found that like as you were sitting there doing the research for this book and then once you were writing the book, like, how did you get these girls to open up to you, to, like, be honest? Yeah, that's that's what I do is—that's my—so— 
getting them to open up has a lot to do with, first of all, these are long-standing relationships, many of which I've been, I've known girls for over 10 years and been over the course of their life. And this is, you know, working with over a hundred girls. So it's different than me just sitting down for one interview with a girl that doesn't know me. There's already a real established trust. So I'm really getting in there in things that they do not tell just a random person that they don't know. And I started seeing so much crossover too. So I also know what questions to ask because I also know what all the girls are uh, having feelings about. But really, the, the key to getting a teenage girl to open up is making sure they don't feel judged and shamed. And it has everything to do with approaching them with curiosity, true true curiosity in your heart, no agenda of you wanting to teach them something or you know get them to do something because they feel that in two seconds and they close off. And having that non-judgmental tone of meeting them exactly where they're at and seeking to understand their thoughts on a topic way before you project your thoughts and feelings into the situation. I feel like that's useful, not only for like, obviously your work and what you do as a mentor, but also like for parents, like everything you just said there was like what we as parents can lead in with, you know, we lead in with curiosity, we lead in with mutual respect. Exactly. So, you know, the book is filled with very practical tools on even the types of questions to use with girls to help them open up for parents, but any adult. But the the idea too is that, you know, we all need to heal the inner teenage girl inside of us. And lots of times when a parent does feel a charge about bringing up a topic or having a hard time not being judgy about something, it's more indicative of their own teenage wound that they maybe had during their teenage years. And those totally follow us into adulthood. And so it's a lot about you know, pointing the finger at ourselves and how we can heal first so that we can approach a girl with that open-hearted curiosity. That's something that we don't talk about often enough is healing our own teenage wounds before we become teenage parents. I hope to do that with this book, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I've been doing parenting stuff for a really long time now. And, you know, we talk a lot about toddlers, obviously. We talk about reparenting ourselves in order to help our children, but many times I feel like that's geared more towards younger children. And we're not thinking about stepping into the teenage years. Yeah, it's a completely different developmental stage, your adolescence. And I find that the wounds that happen during this stage, particularly for women, are around people-pleasing and perfectionism and self-doubt and making yourself small or being worried about being having a big ego and so not speaking up and using your voice as boldly. And, and it follows into the workplace. You know, it's all the same patterns we see that women struggle with. Yeah, it's it's wild. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because this is a very, it's a new conversation for me. Like I said, oh, I have ahead. a lot. No, I have a lot of people on the show and we're talking about, not that I'm saying every conversation is the same because it's not, but this one is like definitively different because, you know, we're talking about teenage girls and you and I were both at one time teenage girls. And, and gosh, I have to say, I'm glad I'm no longer a teenage girl because that was hard. It was really hard transition going from a child, you know, into a new body and your body is changing and your mind is changing and, and your part of you like kind of wants to sit, stay the same as like when you were a kid, but like, you know, that's not an option anymore. But then also part of you wants to grow up and do like fancy grown up things. And so like it's, it, you feel caught, or at least I know I felt caught. 
Yeah. Yeah, of course. And and then mitigating that with just the societal narrative around beauty or body image or what you should be doing. So teenage girls are also silenced just by all the shoulds, you know, of they should say this, they should look like this. And it's a totally, they can't win, right? Like a, they cannot win at all. They can be too much of that or too much of this and they know it. And so instead they just fade into their own background of like, okay, well, I'm going to get criticized if I say this or, and really instead we could create so much more space for their self-exploration and so much more ease and love and care around them just trying to figure out who they are. Yes. Yes. I remember I had a teacher in middle school and I used to walk So I developed early. I had my period at 10. I had boobs at 10. And I remember that I was the only one that did. And so I stood out like a sore thumb. And I remember I used to hunch my shoulders over to make me look smaller, right? Just in, just in general. I was also tall. Like the height that I am now is the height that I was then. And then I just stopped growing. I was like the tallest girl. And then I stopped growing. I'm only about five, four. And so I used to shrink myself to feel smaller. And I remember I had one teacher, her name was Mrs. Caprillion. And she said to me, Tara, be proud of who you are. Put your shoulders back, like take a deep breath and like hold your head up high. You don't have to have this posture and have this behavior your whole life. Like you're a woman now and that's okay. Yeah. And, and, and just oh, embrace I it. I love that she said that to you. And it, and now, you know, years and yeah, I can, what, 30 years later, I could still remember that. And then I remember her name and I even remember where we were. I think we were in the foyer of my, of my school and, and no one ever, nobody ever said anything like that to me in my entire life. Oh, be proud. I mean, and I will say this whole issue of shrinking ourselves physically and mentally and emotionally, it's a huge issue just as it trails into womanhood. And so that's why I'm actually so excited to work with teenage girls and kind of address these things upstream. Because if we actually talk to teenage girls now about this, these small, even subtle ways that you feel more empowered and can own who you are in the world, then that changes our future too. And that's what gets really exciting. So to me, that's, this book is about those empowerment spaces. And and we often are so much like girl boss, girl confidence, boss lady, you know, and we're trying to like slap it onto a girl, but it's more subtle. It's subtle things of how we speak about our own body and beauty in front of girls or how, you know, how we help them navigate self-doubt and the mean voice inside their head. It's a, it's more subtle. Yeah. And like you mentioned about people pleasing. And that was something that until recently, I didn't even have a phrase for it. I didn't have the words for that. But like, of course, that was always something that I did. I always wanted to make my teachers happy. I always wanted to make my parents happy. And only now as an adult woman, am I like, wait a second. It doesn't have to be like that. Like I can take care of myself. I could advocate for myself when I don't feel comfortable doing something. Because like that simply wasn't the case when I was younger. So, you know, everyone's worried about teenage girls because the CDC report came out that they're struggling with anxiety and depression and so on. And everyone has asked me, what is what is it? And, and there's lots of, of course, different angles. But I tend to say the pressure on girls to be perfect and to be likable, to make sure everyone's pleased around them, is the issue. And that is what I hear girls come back to me over and over and over again. It's just like putting other people's needs before their own, making sure everyone's happy before they're happy. And... And it's, again, really subtle in how they do it. 
And I can, you know, I can share stories. The book is filled with so many quotes from the girls and their own personal stories of how this shows up in life. Could you give me a quick story? Yeah. So like, uh, if you remember Marley, who's 15 and plays, she was like a star volleyball player and she made the varsity team as a freshman. And she was so good at volleyball and everyone just affirmed her and affirmed her. And she was making everyone happy around her for being a star volleyball player. But she was also getting migraines and stomach aches and was stressed out. And I decided one day to ask her, I was like, hey, Marley, do you like playing volleyball? <laughs> and she looked at me like, no one had ever asked her that. And I was like, I, I, she was like, well, I like that. I'm good at it. And I'm like, right? Okay, yeah, you're yes. good at it. And I was like, but do you like it? And she's like, well, I like that I bond with my mom about it. Her mom had been a star volleyball player too. And I was just like, wait, are you playing volleyball to make your mom happy or make other people happy? And she looked at me wide-eyed and was like, oh, no. And and realized. And so, I, you know, that was when I asked girls to actually check in with themselves. I say, well, what would bring you a lot of joy? What would please you? And and she was like, well, you know, I love to write the draw fashion sketches in my notebook and the, on the bus ride. And I was like, amazing. Like, you know, there's this sewing class I know on the weekend. Would that interest you? And she's like, oh my gosh, that'd be incredible. And, and so slowly but surely we, you know, we brought her mom to the conversation and she quit volleyball and she started investing all her time in fashion design. And it brought her so much joy. Like she, the migraines went away, the stomach problems went away and she became excellent at that as well. Right. Everyone's so worried. Like, as soon as a girl is good at something, they get so affirmed that they think that's the only thing they can do because, oh my gosh, I found the one thing I'm good at, right? And we're not letting them explore who they are. And, and you know, fashion, I think, is a good example because so often people dismiss girls' interest in fashion and clothes as just superficial. And that's not how I see it. It's a real expression of their identity and who they want to be in the world. And there are plenty of fashion jobs. I have plenty of girls now who've gone into, who are in their 20s, have incredibly successful jobs in the fashion industry. This is not like some not career path that's viable. It totally is. But parents hear that and they're like, oh no, my girl's interested in something superficial. And I'm like, no, like let's ask her what she likes to do. What a crazy idea. <laughs> How novel that is. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think that that's so important. I think, you know, you started the conversation by saying leading with curiosity. And that is so important because how else do you know to really get to know your child unless you're asking the right questions? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I put those types of questions in the back of the book. I have a list that says ways to expand conversations with a teenage girl or any human being. And that's what's so interesting about this, too, is that the tools I've used with teenage girls, one of the hardest groups to get to open up, can be used with everyone. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about, I'm totally going off script here because I want to get your input and your opinion on this, is like Taylor Swift is a complete phenomenon, right? There's the Swifties, they're going to the concerts and they're making the friendship bracelets. What did your girls, I'm saying your girls, cause you know, your mentees, what did, what's your girl's perspective on Taylor? How do, how do they feel? Do they, do they derive like a sense of pride and like she has all of this power? I, I'm curious oh, to see what totally. they say. They love her. Yes. And she's considered powerful. And as you know, the last chapter of the book is power. And, uh, you know, 
teenage girls supporting something actually is not just them supporting Taylor is not a new thing. Teen, I write about how teenage girls are behind Beatlemania, right? I think they're the ones that blew up the Beatles. Like yes. they've always been really powerful in what they put their attention and support behind. But yes, Taylor is a woman that really owns who she is and what she's about. And then also is a women supporting women type, which I would say Gen Z is a women supporting women, girls supporting girls. It has changed, thank heaven. And so, you know, our generation of more, you know, there's only one seat at the table at the boardroom for a woman. They're only hiring one woman, which was true back then. It was. Made us, made us all compete and, and give a different tone to things. But that's not how they see their future. And they don't understand the whole demeaning women. And, you know, it's people like Taylor who lead that conversation. I love that. That makes me so happy. Because women supporting women, I mean, that's everything that I believe in. That's everything I support on on my platforms, too. And so it's so beautiful to see obviously Gen Z feeling like that and and seeing like that in their heroes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to call it out and model it and just affirm it like crazy. So, you know, a lot of people focus on social media being mean, and then we can talk about social media. Obviously there's problematic things. Sure. If you actually look at how they comment on each other's posts, you know, they, they follow me too. They are, they are amping each other up. Like they're like, you go girl, you look amazing. You're fantastic. Like, you know, tons of exclamation points. They do it on mine. And I'm just like, Oh, thanks. You know, like I, they love to encourage each other in the comments on social media. And, and the more we give this energy to that, that idea that they're all tearing each other apart on social media, that I, I don't think that's a fair assessment at all. And we could actually be highlighting what's going right also on there. If you're the woman of a certain age, like myself, and occasionally you say, was that a hot flash? Am I too young for hot flashes? I'm not sure what's going on here. Well, then listen up because this ad is for you. Our new sponsor, Winona, is here to help women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. You're watching me put my hand up right now. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Phew, thank goodness. Winona is the home for physician-prescribed bioidentical hormone replacement therapy with an easy-to-use network of doctors based out of your state who can make getting started with HRT a breeze. Winona's bioidentical HRT is made from plant-based hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it aligns with your body's natural rhythm to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. Be sure to visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free shipping in the U.S. and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. So be sure to use my special code. It's modernmom at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash modernmom.
Yes, it's true. And I say that, you know, I talk a lot about being in the parenting space. And that's true, you know, within the parenting space as well is, you know, people often think like, oh, there's so much negativity in social media. And yes, that's true. And so many people are supporting each other. And we're like, rah, rah, go get the book deal, rah, rah, you know, you're on the Today Show, all of those kinds of things, right? And so it's really nice to see because like, when we were in high school, it was not like that. Maybe my high school was different. I don't know. It was it was not as supportive. Well, yeah, and of course there's still going to be a mean girl situation here and there. You know, we're all messy humans still. So, but this is what's cool, and I share this in the friends chapter is when a girl is kind of getting bullied or is a mean a girl being mean to her. This generation is so much more compassionate and they understand mental health and psychology so much better, which I can address actually how social media has helped with that. But so what will happen is they're telling me the story and I'll often ask her like, well, what do you think that girl who's being mean to them? I'll be like, what do you think her home life is like? And the girl often knows she's like, oh, well, you know, her mom's really criticizing her dad's never around. And I'm like, oh man, do you think that's hard for her? And she's like, yeah, I bet it is hard. And I'm like, do you think maybe she's just being mean because she's hurt herself and in pain herself? And she's like, yeah, she probably is. You know, like they're very compassionate and understanding where their bully might be coming from of like the psychology behind it. They're so wise about things like that. They really are. Because my, my son is the same way. If I ask him something, he'll he'll answer with a very similar comment of like, well, I, I could see how that would be difficult for them. And I'm like, yes, yes, that's <laughs> yes, amazing. Good job. Good parenting on your part too. It's very intentional. So you mentioned social media and psychology. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, you know, here's the deal. Yes, there are problematic things about social media and there are plenty of people shining a light on that. What I like to shine light on is the fact that it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. So what do we do from here and how do we make it actually a potential positive thing in a kid's life, which I have been in the trenches of that happening. So I like to tell people that it's it exists. There's the world exists and it has a lot to do with media literacy conversations, which is the adult boring way to say it, but you know, with girls, it's me asking lots of questions like watching the same TV show as them, like and approaching it in a fun way, in a way that's like, what Instagram account isn't inspiring you lately, you know? And then I follow it too. And then, you know, I have girls sending me TikToks about things like a mother wound, right? You know, things that I know women who didn't address that until their 40s. And here the 16-year-old knows a lot about mother wounds and how she's going to deal with it. Yes. Yes. This is amazing, right? Or trauma responses. They know all the different trauma responses and all these, you know, different infographics actually can be really helpful in them pursuing interests that they're into. They're into political stuff. They're into things that aren't just beauty and and makeup, right? You know, and again, I don't mind if they're into beauty and makeup. I used to be kind of judging myself about that. And now I understand that they're just exploring who they are. They're exploring what they want to look like. I Instead of just demeaning them or criticizing them or dismissing or minimizing their interests, I like to ask why they're into it. I'm like, okay, what interests you about that? And then on evaluating you know, beauty standards, I'll often show them, you know, an image that I'm kind of worried about puts out. And I'll be like, what do you think of this girl posting this? You know, what do you, do you think that she wants a lot of likes? Do you think, does that make you feel bad about your body? You know, and we'll kind of talk about it. Cause then, then I'll incorporate myself. I'll be like, I don't know. I feel kind of weird sometimes, you know, and we actually talk about it 
And she's so smart about it. When she knows I'm respecting her thoughts on it and that her, I think her thoughts are smart, she owns it more. She feels trusted. She trusts herself to make healthy and responsible decisions on social media. That's where the magic happens is an empowerment element to it. Yeah, absolutely. So what is their perspective on, let's say, thirst traps or, you know, very thin images of of women. You know, we grew up with magazines, right? So we had Seventeen Magazine, YM, whatever other ones. And so the concept of diet culture has sort of always been there. But do you still see that now with the girls in social media? Yeah. And they're pretty open about it. You know, like we, it's, they're not, everyone's aware that there is a body image issue. Eating disorders are a huge thing I faced in working with girls. And the more that I can engage them in conversation early, we engage girls early on these things so that they can set a foundation of how they are going to frame it for themselves, the better. Whereas otherwise they're more of a victim to the narrative of it all. And so I'll say too, these things start so early. And I talk about it in the beauty chapter about how, you know, when we look at a little, little girl, the first thing most people say to her is, oh my gosh, how cute you are. Look at your pretty dress. And then we see a little boy and we're like, what book are you reading? What sport are you playing? What's your favorite subject in school? You know, we're teaching girls at a young age what their that their value is tied to their looks. And the average age for a girl to start dieting is eight. Age oh, eight. No. So this is way before even social media, right? So, I, you know, a lot of girls actually talk to me about, and again, I talk about in the chapter, moms, the language they use around their girl, how often a mom is commenting on her own dieting, her own body, insulting her own body in front of her daughter, or her are obsessing about beauty in front of her daughter. Girls pick that up and they absorb it. And I mean, there's definitely girls that have told me about their moms commenting on their own body. I mean, that's when girls really are not happy about it, but it can be more subtle. It can be pretty innocent of a mom that's just always dieting and the daughter sees that. Yeah, I think that happens more often than we realize. Yeah, and I, but I have tons of compassion for parents here, and women are all also just a victim of the same system, right? Like, we're I'm not saying, I'm not trying to point a finger at mom, like, you've done something horribly. Like, you know, the book is also about a much larger societal conversation about how we could change the system around us to better serve and help women and girls. Yeah, I, I was thinking about you and your book when I was at Target the other day. And you see the clothes for little girls and they have like little, little tiny shorts with no pockets. And then you have boys clothes and shorts with like long shorts, tons of pockets, very functional. And it's just wild to see the dichotomy. And and from a very early age, like you said, we're complimenting little girls on how pretty they look. Oh, you're such a pretty princess versus, you know, with the boys like, you know, oh, show me how you can climb that tree and and show me all of your skills. Right. And so it's sort of like skills based versus aesthetics or like I said about the clothes, like functionality versus aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. And I find with boys too, they just get a lot more room to explore and make mistakes and be messy. You know, no one cares when a boy is a little bit of a mess, right? But a girl, you know, she's had to have it her her game together at a young age. She learns very young that she needs to look good and act nice and be polite and so on. And uh, we don't create, that's back to that perfectionism and people pleasing. We don't create a lot of room for girls to just make a mistake and it not be the end of the world and not absorb into their entire identity and self-worth. 
Yeah, absolutely. Would you recommend, and I know the answer to this question because I'm going to say yes. It's like, would you recommend this book also to parents of, of sons to get a better understanding into the psyche of teenage girls? Sure, of course. Well, you know, I talk about too, you know, you brought up thirst traps and the sexuality and girls wearing sexy outfits and that type of thing. That is in my sexuality chapter. And I, a big premise of that chapter is actually instead of us putting all the onus and blame and judgment on girls, we should be focusing on boys in a big, big way. Like for some reason, girls are responsible with their clothes to manage boys' inclinations. That's so messed up. And so, you know, how do we refocus back on boys? And I'm I'm on the board of a nonprofit called A Call to Men, which is all about how do we address this with boys, what a healthy masculinity is. And I also reference in there, only 11 states require that we teach consent in our sex education curriculum. And I mean, really? Yeah. And of course, if we're not teaching boys consent, that would explain a sexual assault epidemic that we face in college campuses. And, you know, I know girls, though, that take self-defense classes in in school. I know more girls in a self-defense class than a boy learning consent in school. Right. That breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I know. And so I am trying to make sure that we're addressing so many of these issues with boys too. And, 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 and again, on the sexuality front, boys are permissioned to, you know, they're, they're allowed in the media to seek pleasure. And this is a positive, fun thing for them. Whereas girls, it's shame, 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 and judgment at every turn. They can't do anything right. And there's a, a lot of the chapter is what does a safe space look like for a girl to explore her own sexuality? Yeah. Let's explore that. Okay, great. Because <laughs> it, it's true. It, it's such a it's such a hard age, and it's not one age. It's you know span of what, seven years or so. But there's because there's difference when you're let's say twelve versus when you're eighteen, nineteen, right? But ultimately, at 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 the end of it, it's like these girls need to come out of their teenage years loving themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, loving yourself is such a big statement. Everyone's like, how do you do that? You know, I've found it's about getting closer to their authenticity, what authentically feels like their identity or what brings them joy. And that makes sense to them. Because if I just tell a girl, like, you need to love yourself more, like, it's that's a hard job. How do I do that? Yeah, exactly. Again, I bring it back to self doubt and a lot of things like that. But in terms of, oh, oh, in terms of like also sex education conversations with teenagers, and teenage girls specifically, what I found is parent. I mean, a lot of parents are asking me about this right now, and there's so much discomfort. And what I usually say is, well, I think it's most important first to understand why this is uncomfortable for you to talk about. Go figure that out, because as long as you still have discomfort and a charge, it's going to be a hard conversation with your girl. And and I say that again with compassion. I had tons of sexuality baggage to unpack. Every woman has a long history of baggage and shame to unpack. But I've done a lot of that work. And it is, oh my gosh, has it helped me? And I, I give, you know, some questions in the book where to explore that. But it's definitely helped me come back to the girls without a charge, without judgment. And really, you know, they tell me things that they definitely don't tell their parents. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you probably see that a lot. Yeah. So you mentioned one thing about authenticity. And I want to talk about, because in the book you mentioned about being performative. 
being performative versus being authentic. And I speak about this a lot with social media and more in the parenting space because, you know, as soon as you put a camera on, it's performative, right? Like if you are are acting out a scene, it's inherently performative. And so I I talk about that kind of stuff all the time. But I want to know what you mean about that in the book. Yeah. So it comes back to perfection and people pleasing. (laughs) And what do we put out there to make it seem like we have it all together and that everyone's happy and, you know, that they think you're happy and so on. And so, uh, and I, you know, it could be considered performative Marley playing volleyball, you know, to make everyone else happy, right? Like it shows up in all different ways, but, you know, I like to say too, it could be as simple as a girl being like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, that's (laughs) the phrase. That is a phrase that we are all very familiar with. No, 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 it's good. It's fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah. And it's not fine. I assure you, I've been able to really get in there and and find out what's going on. But it's this idea that they need to, that it's actually managing everyone's else else's discomfort because no parent wants to see their kid in a hard place struggling and having feelings and a girl knows that and doesn't feel safe with it in expressing it because what parents do is they're quick to fix and they want to just they can't sit with the discomfort so they fix 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 offer advice uh, try to teach them something you know which comes off as criticism for a girl they feel judged by it so it doesn't even if it's subtle and a super well-intentioned parent a girl sharing her feelings and her struggles and the things that are not fine often does not feel safe. And so, you know, in the very first chapter is feelings, and it has a lot to do with how do we actually just listen and reflect and hold that space. You know, a girl will tell me a, a thing she's struggling with, and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, that sucks. I was like, that does sound awful. Yeah, that's not fine. And just so she even understands what's not fine and is fine, right? That we just need to get, she needs to learn what is and isn't fine too. And then I'll be like, then I'll try to use the exact word she used. I'll be like, that sounds frustrating. You know, she said it was frustrating. I'll say, yeah, it is frustrating or disappointing. And I have a feelings wheel in the back of the book. Once they actually name the feeling that they're feeling, that's a relief. And that's usually all that needs to happen. Most times when I hold that type of space for girls without giving advice without trying to fix it for them. They're like, oh, I feel so much better. No one understood. You know, they feel so misunderstood. They just want to be listened to. Sometimes, like, really just being there and and giving them your undivided attention. Not that you're on your phone or that you're, like, half watching TV or, you know, you're on a work call or something like that. Giving them your undivided attention is, is what they're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And space for their feelings and not judgment, right? Like so many people judge teenage girls, big feelings as emotional and dramatic. And it's no, I actually think all human beings have big feelings. And as we move into adulthood, we get so good at containing and stuffing and repressing and making the world to the world. It seemed like it's all fine, but that it explodes at some point. I've definitely had my own explosions. Like it will come out at some point. That goes back to the performative thing. Exactly. We we learn how to navigate our feelings in this modern world of ours. Exactly. No, it's true. All right. I'm going to ask you two more questions. Ready? My first question is, what do you think is the biggest modern mom problem out there right now? So is it for them parenting teenage girls or actually just for moms in general in a bigger society? I'll let you choose. (laughs) I'm flexible. I know. I feel like I'm going to kind of give two angles to this because I, I want to obviously address just a systemic societal narrative of like women, of moms just not having 
the care and the support. And just, it, it's, it, I mean, it, we could do so much better in supporting our moms, whether it's access to childcare and and more equality in our homes and, and so on. So I never want to underestimate that struggle. <laughs> and, and then to be more specific in the context of this conversation, I would say that one of the biggest mom struggles I see is, you know, a, a well-intentioned mom trying to connect with her daughter, but the daughter closed off and, and it's because she feels judged. I would say judgment is the key to everything. And the more you can take out any type of tone of judgment in, in your soul, you know, in a real honest way, then your connection and relationship will open up. That's a good answer. I think that is true with parenting right across the board. Yeah, exactly. Try to put the judgment aside whenever you can. It's so it's so important in building the relationship and, and a firm foundation with your kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Chelsea, tell us, where can we buy your book? Tell us where we can find you online. Um, so easiest would be Instagram at Chelsea Gooden. And then I have a website. I do speaking engagements about a lot of this, which is fun. I have a book tour happening. So I'll be putting up the book tour dates for March in there. And, I, you know, I... I'm all about interacting with people if they reach out. So please feel free. I think this book's a really good book for book clubs for moms, like a mom book club, because each chapter is so digestible and quick and easy about a topic that even if you didn't have time to read the chapter that week, like you will still have something to say on the topic. I, I'm, I would be really happy when people reach out and engage about those types of things. Like we did it in our book club and ended up talking about shame, you know, something intense like that, because there's all, there's all these different topics that you don't realize how much they affect your daughter, but they also affect your life. Yeah. Or there are things that you sort of have repressed yourself, you know, like when you think about being a 15 year old, like, yeah, shame comes up a lot. <laughs> and it's not something that we talk about now because it's 25 years later, but uh, it's definitely worth a conversation. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for all the support. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest, and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.